Welcome back, family. You are listening to episode number five with Tara Garrison. Welcome to Under the Covers, where each week we share the real, raw, and inspiring stories you need to help you create amazing relationships from the bedroom to the boardroom. I'm Aaron Elsworth, purpose-driven entrepreneur and your guide on this epic, funny, sexy, and spiritual ride. Thanks so much for joining us. Now, let's jump right in. All right, family, today's special guest is Tara Garrison, and in 2014, she began a journey that would change her life forever. Overweight, unhappy, trying to please others, and having lost everything was just the catalyst for what lie ahead. Now a recognized fitness, nutrition, and life coach, she motivates others each day to live their best lives, as well as inspires them through her Kick-Ass Life podcast and Inside Out Health podcast. With four kids, a thriving business, and a book deal in the works, to say we're lucky to have her on the show is an understatement. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Well, Tara, it's so great to have you on the show today. Um, First, to kind of kick things off, I'd love to be able to have the audience understand who is this amazing person that we have with us, and why, why are we here talking today? All right. Well, so by profession, I am both a personal, well, I guess all three, a personal trainer and nutritionist. And I also do personal development with my clients. So my company is called Hire. Um, I'd like to kind of share my, my, my symbol for Hire, my, you know, I guess logo, but it means a lot more to me than that is a symbol of an eagle flying out of the center of a mountain. And that kind of encompasses how I see life. Um, my pod, I also have a podcast called Inside Out Health. So inside out is everything to me. So, um, the reason I did the, the logo that way is because we think that getting higher means we have to climb and climb and climb and strive and strive and strive. And we do, we do have to put in work. We, we have to do some of that, but if you want to be able to get to another level that you didn't even think possible, if you want to really soar, you have to go inside. That's where it all is. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes is, um, from Leo Tolstoy. And he says, everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. Yeah. I love that quote. That is how I try to live my life. It's like, if you want to help people, like let's stop looking outward so much and start looking inward. And as you heal and as you find your power and you get all that self-love, like it radiates from you. You can't help, but not, but help other people. Like it's just who you become. So, uh, yeah, I guess in a nutshell, I am a uh, another human being on this freaking awesome journey <laughs> called life that loves going inside and growing and reaching new levels that we never thought possible by doing that. That's amazing. Yeah. And usually there's a catalyst, right? That oh, yeah. <laughs> for somebody that reaches that new pinnacle and realizes, oh my gosh, the more that I know, I realize the less that I actually know, you know, compared to what's out there. And so mm-hmm. what was something for you that kind of spun that change or really set you on this path so much wait do it no swear words right no swear words okay so so much (laughs) shit so much shit okay so um man well the first one i guess i'll talk about is my my fitness transformation i guess um so my story is this um i like how everyone's like you know when i was growing up my parents fed me like pop tarts and white bread i'm like everybody ate that that's how it was back in the 80s and 90s and (laughs) we all that's just how food was um so definitely lived that life um we were also really poor i had a single mom five kids you know like so it was just like combined with the way the food 
uh, landscape looked back then and being poor, just like all processed foods and stuff like that. I was chubby growing up. Um, I had a lot of childhood crap, you know, like all of it. And I share it openly because um, <laughs> sometimes I think we feel a little bit too special in our sorrows. It's like, yeah, everybody else had crap too. And it's good to share because then you find out you're not special and you just need to go inside and start looking at all the stories that <laughs> developed as a result of those things. So you can move past them instead of like permanently be, be being victimized by them for the rest of your life. You know, we victimize ourselves when we don't heal from those patterns. So, um, I mean, I had everything from my mom was mentally ill. So, and undiagnosed, and it was really hard for us as kids, like all my siblings, it was, that's tough. Anybody who's lived that life, it's, it's tough, you know, cause you don't understand as a kid, like why they are accusing you of things and all these like crazy delusions. And you're like, wait, what? Like, and you're getting strung along and man, you know, love my mom so much. I have so much, um, compassion for her. She's such a beautiful, beautiful soul, but like, man, that stuff is hard growing up with. Um, I had sexual abuse. I had, um, emotional, physical, all of it, neglect, like it, it things were, things were hard <laughs> in, in my home growing up. And then, um, you know, I masked all of that as we do, right. We all grow up and we're all fine. <laughs> I'm fine. Somebody told me once that like fine is, is not an emotion and fine is like the tip off word. When somebody tells me they're fine, I'm like, Oh my gosh, what's wrong? <laughs> what are you masking? Do you even know what you're feeling? Cause fine. That's not, that's not nailing it. <laughs> um, so anyway, did the full bit. I, I was raised Mormon. I'm not Mormon anymore, but I just kind of like masked all of that. Just kind of pretended none of it happened and just got married and graduated college and had four kids and la di da di da. <laughs> totally. Kids. Four kids too. That's awesome. Yeah. Just totally unaware of any of my patterns, honestly, living very much in the reactive mind. <laughs> um, very not self-aware at all. I fully own that. And my catalyst, I share this because, um, I think that sometimes we tend to shame ourselves for any period of our life in which we weren't in our perception, perfect. Right. And so we don't want to talk about it, but sometimes I think that the unhealthy, whatever you want to judge it with unhealthy things or place times that you weren't proud exactly of where you were at. Sometimes those serve a freaking purpose to get you where you need to go. And so we can honor them and, and honor our journey. And so, um, I, my ex-husband gives, he's given me permission to share this and, and I think it's, I think it's really important to share. So in Mormonism, um, pornography is very prohibited and we were Mormon and, um, he at the, towards the end of our marriage, like confessed that he was quote unquote addicted to pornography. And I put the quotes on it because guess what happens when you take all the rules away, someone becomes <laughs> magically unaddicted to something because right. it's not restricted anymore. But anyway, at that time, I, my lack of awareness, I totally took it personally. And I was like, I know me being like this super overachiever, like my whole life, I was like, I'll fix this. I will just get super fit. And then he won't feel the need to do that anymore. All right. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of sad. It's like, Oh girl, it's okay. But I'm, I'm also grateful that I had that, that journey because simultaneously while I was like trying to be enough and have these kind of unhealthy motivations, I was also 
also developing this love and passion for the human body. I'm like, this is freaking is cool. cool how the body works. And you can like eat like this and train like this and you can change how you feel completely and change how you move. And I can run faster and I'm like, have energy all day. And like, what else can this body do? And so my, you know, simultaneously this like not enoughness was also like bridging this gap into like more than enoughness. I'm like, my bodies are cool. So that really like spurred my love for the human body. And I started to honestly heal my relationship with it in the beginning, just by learning it and, and seeing it for what it was and being like, wow, this, this, this machine is freaking crazy. Awesome. We don't even know how it works all the way. Like we're just trying to keep up. Um, and so that started to happen. And then I did get divorced. I left Mormonism. I went through like a total freaking life change. It was super scary. And oh man, I got into like a really bad relationship afterwards, like classic, uh, none of my patterns had been looked at people pleasing, like showing up small, doing whatever, you know, trying to earn love still by just saying yes to everything. And, um, I lost everything I had in that relationship. I, I, I did, I, I, I just did whatever he said. And I ended up walking out of that relationship with a bankruptcy and literally not a single penny to my name. I didn't even have a bank account oh my God. and I had to sell all my things. I had to ask my ex-husband to take my kids for a little while while I figured my crap out. I had to live with a, at first I was just like couch surfing with people. I didn't even no, it was an <laughs> ultimate low. Like as a person who was like, you know, always at the top of my class, like, um, graduated with honors, you know, get, get got like awards, perfect credit, like perfect, perfect, perfect. You know, the big house with the third acre in front of the temple and like perfect, perfect, perfect coming from that person to like, you just, you lost everything like humble pie, man. And that catalyst, that was the biggest catalyst of all. Cause it was like, girl, you have to look like your current mindset where you're at right now is getting you these results. You got some freaking work to do. <laughs> yeah. And it was the best worst thing that ever happened to me. So like it was, it, it, it was truly when I realized like, no one's going to save you. No one's going to do this work for you. Like you are going to have to figure this out on your own. And so um, I, I, I went through like a little hiatus. I'm grateful a friend of mine, let me stay at their house for a few months. Um, got on my feet a little bit. And then man, like I rented this little basement apartment and I, I, I nicknamed it my launch pad. Cause that made me feel better about myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, are important. yeah. And I, man, I like, I, I went through something, you know, like I, I basically stopped, I stopped dating. I stopped hanging out with people. I just, I was like the five people I hang around most are going to be Tony Robbins and Wayne Dyer and Napoleon Hill. Think you can grow rich and every good book I can get my hands on and every like great thinker. Yeah. I just want to be immersed with them. Everyone who's like top of their game in my field. I just want to, they have a podcast. I'm listening. Like I'm just immersing, 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 going to like basically immersion program yeah. of becoming like, I was like, if I just listen to these people enough, eventually I'll start thinking like they do. And guess what? It worked. And, <laughs> um, man, I, I, I like really, really had to go through the depths of like scary, especially not having a safety net at all financially, like zero. I had no one who could help me like nothing at that point. And, um, I mean, there were times I had like I remember the lowest, I think I had $17 to my freaking name, no ability to get a credit card. I have four kids. It was freaking scary, but I figured it out and it was so awesome. It was so empowering for me. And, um, within three months of going into business for myself and coaching, I was, I had already hit six figures. 
That is so, so, or like the monthly income that led to six figures, yeah. you know? Yeah. So that first year I hit over six figures and man, and by then I had done a lot of plant medicine work. Um, I do a lot of work with the, the work of Byron Katie. I go to see a lady every month still. I have an appointment with her tomorrow. I've been doing it for three years now um, and just did a lot of inner work. And now, man, like being on the other side of all that, like my self-love is there. My body is fit because I learned all those skills during that crazy time. Um, I'm, I have such a zest for entrepreneurs and so I'm like I'm grateful for all of it but yeah you just got the earful that's the full I love the recap it. of the full journey <laughs> no and, and you know offline we can talk but the your story is so similar to mine um mm. and it it is interesting um not only the upbringing but just the adversity and the things that we face and how we can make those changes but sometimes it does take that when you say catalyst, like we have to hit so hard and so deep. The only place that we can look is within because everything else is stripped from us. Yeah. And so that's, that's pretty rad that you've gone through it and you're on the other side and you're just beaming, you're glowing and it's awesome. Yeah. And imagine that we're both here, like leaning into our power, doing podcasts and like putting ourselves out there and putting our butts on the line and like yeah. seeing what we're capable of. And I, a lot of that's probably born from the fact that we had to learn those skills, you know? And I, I do think like believing in yourself is a skill that's honed. It's like one small step at a time. You're like, okay, freak. I don't know if I can do this. Yes, I can. Okay. I'm going to do it. Oh my gosh, I did it next, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. It's so true. And like, as we level up, you know, we need to have those anchors that we can look back to. So we're not necessarily falling. We may take a step back to take three steps forward, mm -hmm. but what are some of those for you right now? You're, you're reaching new plateaus. What is this next plateau that you're going for? Man, I got a lot going on right now. Um, <laughs> that is all, all, the, one of the things I've had to learn is I, I've always been an overachiever. Like, and I, I've really examined this. I'm like, is it because I feel like I'm not enough and I have to earn value through like achievement? And I'm like, I don't think so. Like, I really, truly feel like so self-loving and like, yeah. but I, I do feel a general sense of, of calling in what I do professionally. Mm -hmm. And I also like, I just, it's just more fun to try harder. Like I've ever since I was in kindergarten, I'm like, Ooh, homework. Like I'm going to do it. Like, I don't know. I just, I, I like playing big, I guess. Um, so right now, but I'm saying that's kind of a, a, a curse sometimes. Cause I have to yeah. narrow down, narrow down, narrow down. And so that's why like, I do a lot of like writing first thing in the morning in my, uh, personal development. If you guys are watching on video, I'm like holding, I have a journal that I've made for my clients now. And I do that every morning so I can, stay focused. It's like, dude, you can't do it all at once. <laughs> One thing at a time. So right now um, I am writing a book. I got a, a, a book deal that I'm really grateful for because um, uh, I specialize in ketogenic diet. I, I, my message though is like not to do keto forever. I'm kind of like, I don't really fit in. I don't really fit in, in the keto world. I don't really, I'm in this in between <laughs> place, but I think space. I'm starting to find my own people a little bit in the industry there. They, they get it. We do keto as a phase to really get your metabolism, being able to run off fats well, and then right. you just bring cars back in after, and now you're living in the best of both worlds. So when I first started preaching that message, again, being brave, I was scared. I was immersed in the keto world. I was connected with all the people, like all the influencers and, you know, the leaders of the industry. And I was like, mm, this ain't it. Like, I don't think we should be keto forever. Like, mm -mm. and so it was scary for me, you know, like to be like, nah, um, but it was cool. Cause now I got a book <laughs> offer from a really respected publisher, like to, to teach why I believe that. Um, so that's been fun. That's, that's, that's pushing me for sure. Um, if anybody is going to write a book, if that's like something you want to do, I will share like 
discipline in creating a routine. So my thing right now, I always try to put a reward after something I don't really want to do because it's hard. So it's easy to put off writing, right? Because you're like, I've got all these other things to do. And that sounds hard. And I don't know what to say. So I can't go to the gym until I write for an hour. That's That's my new morning routine. So that's a good little tip if anybody's going to try to write a book, like, cause I love going to the gym. That's not hard for me now. That's like, yay, fun time. So I, that reward comes after the work. Right. Um, and then I'm also doing a really putting myself out there right now, doing a bikini competition, which is like, um, I'm doing it because I've actually been very judgmental on the bodybuilding industry as a coach. Um, I have not been a fan of the results that I'm seeing in people's psyches and physiology working with a lot of people who have competed. And so I decided maybe there's a healthy way to do this. Maybe I'm being too judgmental. Maybe let me just go in. Let me see. Cause if it worst thing that happens is I get some empathy for my clients cool. So I went in, I felt like I was like being a spy, like going in, <laughs> but I actually had like a, a, a I've had, I have a really good coach. I just did my first one, um, just over a week ago. Congrats. And then I'm doing another one in three weeks. Uh, the reason I'm doing another one is because the first time it was like, I was kind of, when you're just seeing what something's like, mm-hmm. you're not going to have that drive of like, I freaking want this. And so since I learned it didn't hurt my body, I did have an excellent coach. Everything was fine. I didn't like lose my period or all these things you hear about women. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, my body's good. Let's go, baby. Now it's time for me to show up. Like I show up like full tilt. Let's, <laughs> let's go. So that's what I'm doing one more to see how I can do if I actually push. So that's kind of what's new for me right now. That's awesome. So just kind of piggybacking off what you said about kind of going in as a spy, you know, to these competitions, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Um, you know, the little research that I've done and in my experience, just talking with other people that are in that space, um, it, it, there's kind of like two ends of the spectrum, right? I've seen people that are very obese and I've seen people that have done a ton of work on their body, but a lot of times on both ends of the spectrum, they're used as shells of what's really going on inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love for you to be able to speak to that. One of the things that I'll just mention really fast is I read a book um, by Johan Hari. I don't know if you're familiar. Um, he wrote a, a book called Lost Connections. And I was dating someone at the time that was going through severe depression. The book is focused on depression. And one of the things that was talked about in that book was how there was a study by a hospital system called Kaiser Permanente out of California. And there was, um, they wanted to do a severe weight loss, not severe, but they wanted to do a a weight loss program for people that were severely obese. And what was interesting was, is that when they went in initially, they had great success. They, they broke it down. So just the bare minimum that would allow a person to survive is what they would be given. So they would have drastic results and then they would work into whatever they're going to do after, after that. What was interesting was, is they started losing the weight significantly and then it came right back. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. couldn't figure out what it was wow. until they actually had a therapist come in and they started asking questions. And about halfway through, it was at one point where um, in the book, he, he just talks about how the therapist wasn't sure why he asked the question, but he just asked about their childhood. Right. And you just mm-hmm. talked about the childhood and patterns and she talked about sexual abuse. And the reason why she actually put on the weight, if she really looked at it was the fact that it was a protection mechanism because men wouldn't look at her a certain way. Yeah. And then Very they started yeah. asking all the other women. And it was like 60% of all the people that were in that program had the same thing. So that's, that's just me and sharing a little bit from my perspective, but I'd love to hear yours and what you found. 
Yeah. So there's a book called Spiral Dynamics that's actually really cool on on this topic. And and basically what happens is ever and this goes back to what I was saying originally about going inside. Everybody wants to just start on level six, which is the actual action without doing any of the inner work. So this is why I won't coach people anymore and just do training and nutrition. I'm like, Mm-mm, I'm not going to be like step number seven and your horrific chain of yo-yo dieting and stuff that doesn't work and yeah. you can never maintain it. Like I'm not I don't feel good about doing that. I don't want to do it. (laughs) So that's why I pulled personal development into my coaching. And it's honestly like the best part of my coaching. And it's the the reason why is because no people don't change the fundamental issues. They want to just only, you want to change actions without changing what's going on inside of you. That's never going to work long-term because what you perceive as normal is something different than what you're doing, right? So you take somebody who's obese and what's normal to them. Okay. I I'll share. Cause I, I mean, I have gone through, a, a, I live a completely different life now than I used to. What used to be normal to me was wake up and have like, I don't know, frosted flakes or like whatever, whatever leftover brownies, or I don't know, whatever I freaking felt like eating. Maybe sometimes it was yogurt. If I was feeling healthy or whatever, <laughs> you know, with like sugar in it right. and then, you know, snacks all day and McDonald's or Wendy's or whatever with my kids. And then, you know, uh, gosh, freaking, what are those called? Sloppy Joe's and chips (laughs) and crap, you know, chili dogs or whatever, or some casserole recipe that I made, like Uh, this is such a different life, but I lived that forever making Kool-Aid with dinner, like making cookies and brownies after that was normal. That is what I perceive as normal. So now what is normal to me is Well, it's 1230 PM at the time of recording this. I haven't eaten yet today. That's pretty normal. I crushed a freaking workout. Um, after this, I get off, I'll have some big giant protein scramble with lots of vegetables and get really full on that later for dinner. I'll have something similar. And if I want like a treat, it's going to be like oats and peanut butter mixed together with like some monk fruit sweetener. (laughs) Like that's my life. And if I'm hungry and running around town, I don't stop at Wendy's. I don't stop at McDonald's. That, that's, I haven't done that in years. I, it's not normal to me anymore. I just wait till I get home and make food then. Right. So, but you take, if you took me back when I was having sloppy Joe's and Wendy's on the reg and you just slap a meal plan at me with like, here, you're going to eat this kind of stuff now. How long do you think I'm going to last on that? Not very long. Not very long. Right. And so it's stages of looking at looking one step at a time and looking at what you perceive as normal and being willing to do the really hard work of observing your own patterns and why you do the things you do instead of lying to yourself. So one thing that I see that is very, very common is when we want out of the discomfort. So let's use nutrition, for example, since that's kind of how we're rolling. It's like, all right, everybody does really good Monday through Wednesday. Okay. You don't get a gold star for changing your nutrition Monday through Wednesday. (laughs) Sorry. Like everybody can do that. That's not impressive. You make it Monday to Monday. I'm starting to get impressed. So, but what happens? Let's look at your pattern. What happened? Then Thursday rolled around you're getting kind of hungry because you're at a calorie deficit and somebody's got trail mix at work. And you're like, you know what? I'll just have some of the nuts. Wait, no, I'm just gonna have some of the raisins. Nope. I have some of the M&M's too. Crap. I just ate like 5,000 calories worth of trail mix. Right. Okay. So that's a pattern. Like what was the thought process that led into it? Was it 
I deserve to just have some freaking trail mix when I want it. Um, I've been doing so good and I'll just go work out later. Um, I'm just going to fast tomorrow. Like all these things, right? All, why, why do you, why do you do that? And, and, and so getting into like what the real root is of all those things, that's huge. Um, stress eating is a really effective way to mitigate the feelings of stress. It, it, it boosts serotonin and dopamine, the two main neurochemicals that make us feel better. So it actually is a smart sort of a uh, temporary way to make yourself feel better, except later, if you don't feel better, cause you just violated all things you said you were going to do for yourself, then you don't feel better. Right. And so stress is a big one. Do you eat as a way to cope with stress? Probably <laughs> if you're like pretty much every other human on the planet, yeah. I'm not going to lie and say, I never do that anymore. Sometimes I do, man, especially right now with this bikini competition, I'm at a freaking crazy calorie deficit. <laughs> I got four kids. I run a business. I've had my moments. Okay. So that yeah. happens. Right. But for the most part, it's and then being able to be willing for, to look at and say, why did I, why, what's going on there? And what could I try differently next time? Um, and seeing what the deeper thought patterns are. And if that is, so speaking of like women who have been raped or molested, especially I see it with women who have been raped, that is a big one that it's actually more common than women probably think. And it's usually it's, they they're doing something they're on their way. They're making changes in their nutrition and training. They're doing their deep work. And then some guy walks by and, and flirts with them and they freaking spiral. They go eat everything there is right. Wow. Cause they, they have associated that with danger. And that's like, dude, you got to get in and see somebody consistently, not once, not twice. Like you got to keep going and get refreshers. Cause that story is deep. You know, um, I like the work of Byron Katie personally, like almost more than therapy because you walk away with a new story. It's deep subconscious mind reprogramming. And once you can change what you, the way you see things in your perceptions, then like that stuff finally starts to fall away. But if the story is normal is eating Reese's Reese's cups at night and I'm having to do this stupid, horrible thing, I can't have my Reese's cups. You're not going to last. Right. Right. So it's all, it's all about the deeper work that goes alongside. And that's the problem is nobody wants to do that. They just want a freaking meal plan and training plan. And I'm like, my message is I can be brutal sometimes. But I'm just like, freaking stop it. <laughs> How many times have you done that? How many times has it worked? Like, stop, go do some inner work. You know, that's, that's where the magic happens. Cause then your self worth is higher. You're like, Mm, you're, you're empowered. You're like, I can do this. I know I can do this, you know? And once you're in that mind space, then you actually do it. <laughs> it's so true. And what's interesting is, is that so many of us, it's like, we can get to that awareness point, but then it's like, well, what's going to change? Even if you, even if you see that deep rooted problem. And so for right. me, that's, it's like, okay, awareness is the first step, but then how do we take accountability for that? And <laughs> Go ahead. I was going to say, this is why you have to do like subconscious mind work and, and write, create new stories. This is yes. why personally, like, I don't love therapy. Like I'm just saying like that with clients I have, they're like, Oh, I love my therapist. I've been going to them for like 20 years. And I'm exactly. like, dude, you're a freaking wreck. Like you're like, you are aware of what all your problems are, but you haven't done anything with that. Like you haven't changed. You're still, you're just like wallowing in it. I see this all the time. That's why I like the work of Byron Katie, because what you do is you go in for like, I, I work with a lady here in Utah. Her name is Catherine Dixon. Please don't block up her schedule too much. I'm just kidding guys. You know, she's like, she's like amazing, but, um, you go in for an hour and you get the deep awareness of some story that you have. So maybe it's, um, 
my first one was with that guy in that relationship after I married, like he manipulated and used oh. me. That was my story. Right. And man, we went in for an hour and she calls it like going to hell. Cause it's like, yeah. Oh, you have to admit all these like yucky feelings and stuff that you've been having. Yeah. And then you flip the story for an hour. Right. And you start to see it through a different lens. And it's like, if, if you, if that never occurred to you that he did that, like, how would you see relationships? How would you see money? How would you see men? How would you see love? You know, all these, you know, how would you see yourself? How would you see him? Mm -hmm. And so you actually do the work of for a minute, seeing it in the new way. Right. And so that's why I also do a lot of writing in my morning routine with my clients is because you have to actually do the proactive work of not just being aware. This is why, like, I think it's such a problem, honestly, that people only listen to podcasts, only read books. It's like, yeah, it's awareness, but you didn't do any work. You didn't change anything yet. All you did was gain a little awareness that you, maybe I have an issue with that. That's it. Yeah. But until you go and do a session with someone or do some writing or a workbook or something where it applies to you, you haven't done anything yet. Yeah. Right. And now you're probably just sitting there victimizing all your crap because you just <laughs> got aware that you got a lot of crap, but you haven't done anything to rewrite the story. So I'm a huge advocate of the work of Byron Katie um, for that. It's just been completely life-changing for me. So awesome. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that I found that was super helpful for me is I look at it like a two-sided coin, your soul, like soul work, what we're talking about here for me anyway, um, is, is looking at it and seeing both sides, both the beauty and the pain our contribution to any event, experience, relationship, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And we can't truly heal. We will continually victimize ourselves yeah. until we see both sides. And so that work that you're talking about, it's not just simply like sit down and journal. That's work. It's we've created awareness about what the hell's going on. Now what we need to do is take that next step. Like you're talking about is having the clarity and the humility to be able to see. And the problem is, is that ego gets in the way so yeah. quickly. And, I know. That's, and that's another reason why in solidarity, it's a great step forward. But a lot of us, we need that connection with another human being that can call us on our crap. That's exactly right. That's why I'm like, you need outside help because you can't see your own blind spots. Yep. That's why they're blind spots. That's why I'm so grateful to Catherine because I'll start to go off on my, you know, little like, yeah, but I mean, I think, <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> we're, she's like, we're not doing that right now. You can be all rose colored glasses about everything later, but like right now we're going in, you know? And so, yeah, it, we, even like journaling on your own, like, I just, I don't think you'll get there. If you have somebody in your life that's brave enough and wise enough and insightful enough to like call you on your crap and be like, dude, in a loving way, you right. know, like they see you, I, that's the friends that I surround myself with now. Like they will call me on my stuff in a loving way. If they're like, dude, you're playing small on that. Like, no. Or if they're like, mm, you were kind of rude. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, all right. Okay. 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 I'm seeing my own shadows, you know, and that's such a gift. Yeah. And if we're just willing to like receive that feedback, as a gift from people, you know, it's like run it through your own filter of truth. You don't have to believe every single thing, but like, if, if you're willing to be like, dude, that is true. I do do that. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, that sucks. Uh. But if you can have that moment, man, you can change your whole life so fast. It's so true. You and, and you, and I mean, that's a big golden nugget that you just mentioned. There is creating a circle of influence. Even if it's just a couple people, it doesn't have to be a hundred people that they're not just there to call you on your crap. But the reality is, is I've talked to so many people. They're like, 
um, I don't, I feel good around these people. That's why they're my friends yeah. or whatever. And it's like, well, if you have people that continually feed the narrative that is mm-hmm. that you're stuck in that victimhood mentality, mm-hmm. they're not necessarily helping you at all. So you need to have no. that balance. You need validation, but you need people that will actually see truth for what it is. And if they truly care about you, right. they will do that. hundred so, percent. Yeah. And, and, and I choose to be like that too, for the people in my life. Like yeah. I've had some newer friends and they want to call and they want to like bitch and moan about some breakup. <laughs> and I'm like, and I, it, but in my head, I'm like, dude, you're being an a-hole. Like, I'm like, I'm going to tell them I'm like, mm, yeah, but you, uh. and then they get, they might get mad, but I'm like, listen, I'm not that friend. That's just going to be like, yeah, she's a bit like, well, I'm, I'm not that friend. Like I, I'm not going to just like sit here and coddle and like lie it's lying to me you know and that's like truly with friends it's like i just appreciate people who are honest Mm -hmm. you know and sometimes i might that might feel really warm and fuzzy and sometimes it might not but i appreciate the freaking honesty yeah (laughs) and for someone that's like so stuck in that victim narrative my experience has been that the automatically they go into defense mode and they end up resenting you there for at least a moment And so we need to be, we need to be mindful about any of the feedback we're receiving from other people, even if there is some attitude that comes back from those people that we call our friends. Mm -hmm. But the other part that we as a friend can do to make sure that they know that we're actually a friend and giving feedback is coming back with love. Yeah, exactly. And and support. Because I think that that's another piece that's been missing because there's so many people that stand in their pulpit because they learn something that's true and they want to tell all their friends about it but they're not willing to do the other work that's actually shown that they've reached that level, which is showing the compassion. Yeah. You cannot have, if you've learned, if you truly learned a lesson about yourself, you are going to have compassion for yourself, but then 100%. you're going to be able to use that love to be able to help other people get to that same part, spot. A hundred percent. I think it's, uh, what you're saying reminds me too, of like a really basic, uh, principle and personal training that you learn in like NASM, like your first certification ever. And it's when you're giving feedback to a client, like they're in a vulnerable space, right? They're trying to sit there and do some lift that they don't know how to do. And so you sandwich it, you sandwich <laughs> the feedback between two positives, yeah. right? So let's say they're like, not even close. They're trying to do like rows and you're like, you, so you say like, Hey, it's really good how you're holding your back nice and straight. Yep. Just drop your elbows down a little bit more. Okay. Yep. That looks awesome right there. You know? And so it's just this kind of blended in a little bit of feedback of dropping the elbows, not elbows down, (laughs) you know, like, and that's kind of how like our feedback can be sometimes if we're too brutal on other things, it's like, yeah. Um, giving, delivering feedback with kindness, I think is definitely, um, key to helping somebody feel safe and being able to make yeah. those changes instead of just retaliating. Like you're saying with like, screw you, you're mean. Yeah. It's so true. So one of the things I also wanted to um, talk about is you've, you, you mentioned in the beginning that you've gone through many experiences, many hardships, right? And we see this vibrant person on the other end. And we talked about the catalyst and, you know, how you've made changes in, in your life, but help, can you help us all understand a little bit more about the work. When you talk about the narrative or the stories, maybe there's one or two that you can share that you were carrying that you had to work through. To yeah, sure. That person. Um, I, I will say so much of 
like who you're seeing now, um, is a result of a lot of deep spiritual work that I do every single day. Like I meditate every day as much as possible, honestly, but I, I mean, I have my devoted time in the morning and I try to get out in nature as much as possible because I just feel like it's like a portal to higher self or universe or God or like angels or spirit guides or like whatever that, yep. that thing bigger than you is like, I want it all up in that as much as possible. Cause the more I am connected to that, the better my life gets. Um, so I think like being connected spiritually, like, I just feel like it, it corrects little things in such a loving way. It's, it's just like having that best friend that's loving. It's just, so I, I do a lot of like tapping in spiritually, I guess. Um, and then as far as like doing the work of Byron Katie, some stories that really, really needed to be, uh, looked at in me was one is just victim, just being a victim and, um, and blaming, placing blame on others. And that, like I said, that first session I did with Catherine on the work with that guy, like, I mean, I, not only was I victimizing myself, but everybody else around me was like, yeah, you're, and I still get that people who know him were like, yeah, that dude's like a textbook narcissist here, <laughs> like that he's psych next level psycho. But here's the thing, like, what, what Catherine helped me learn in that session was like, was he holding a gun to my head for all the things I said yes to? Why did I say yes? And this was like one of the biggest like moments I'll never forget. You have to go to a, a point in time, like a story, a, an incident that reflects that he manipulated and used me. Right. So I'm, I'm going through the story and she's like, so what were you feeling when you like agreed to do all those things? And I was like, like nervous, scared, heart racing. Like, why am I doing this? I can't believe I'm doing this, blah, blah, blah. And she just like nonchalantly is like, oh, so did you tell him that? And I was like, no. <laughs> and she's like, oh, so you were dishonest with him. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like the, now the tables have been turned. Right. I was like, I guess she's like, yes, you were dishonest with him. You did not tell him how you were actually feeling. She's like, what, well, how did you show up? And I was like, okay, yes, sure. I'll do all these things. And inside my mind, I'm like, no, what am I doing? But right. So man, that lesson on accountability of like showing up for myself and being honest and not people pleasing. I mean, that alone, that one session, like really, really changed how I show up with people instead of like, me telling the story of I'm just really nice mm -hmm. like that. No, you're just people pleasing to get people to like you and you're not being honest and you're not making good accountable choices for yourself. Like that's not their fault. That's on you. Right. So Vic getting out of my victim stories and placing blame. That was big. Yeah. Was a big life change. And I mean, like, but you've had relationships and, and, and you talked about, you know, even sexual abuse. And, and the other thing that we haven't talked about is, you know, if there's any relation to epigenetics, right? So the idea that maybe some of the things that have been passed down, you've worked through, but have come down even through, you know, generations. Um, and I'm just, I'm curious to hear about the stories of the work that you actually have done in those areas. Cause like I, I've Fair talked enough. to people that they've blocked, they've mentally blocked out the mm -hmm. fact that they were sexually abused, for instance. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. It's they really don't even remember until they actually go to a medicine retreat. And then all of a sudden, Oh my gosh, I didn't know that that happened when I was 16. Yeah. That's really common. That's why it's like really great. If you're going to do something like plant medicine, psychedelic work that you do it with a trained facilitator. So you, cause sometimes people get PTSD, honestly, like all of a sudden you've been living your life and you're 40 years old and you remember all of a sudden that your dad molested you like 
oh, oh my wow. gosh. Yeah. And you have no follow-up for that. Like that can create yeah. like PTSD, like symptoms and people. So there it's really important that people do these things with like trained guides and facilitators because you never know what's going to come up. Um, but yeah, I'll share a story on that. Um, so one of the medicines that I've worked with is ayahuasca and I, and that's getting kind of common. I think a lot of people have heard of yeah. ayahuasca now, and this was at a, um, retreat center in Costa Rica called arrhythmia uh, where it's legal to, to do ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had this most beautiful, I would, I would credit plant medicines with completely changing my relationship with my parents. Nice. Um, so my mom, yeah, like I said, it was really hard. Like some of my siblings still like, they don't even like want to talk to my mom, you know, like it's, so it was, it was hard. And then my dad, like, um, he was every other weekend typical, but like, and I love my dad to death, but he has his, you know, personal shortcomings too. And we were just like really hard on our parents. You know, we, we felt very victimized. Right. So that's probably where that pattern started. Um, we felt very victimized by our life circumstances growing up. And when I was in ayahuasca, I was like shown my parents through what I would call the eyes of God, like as if I was divinity looking at them and their lives from childhood to adulthood. And oh my gosh, my heart softened so much. Like I could just see all of their own personal pain and their own personal shortcomings and how much they wanted love and how much they were trying so hard and how much they wished that they could like figure life out better so bad. And my heart, I just had so much compassion for them. And man, I mean, I came out of that. I already had like improved my relationship with them quite a bit from some plant medicines I had worked with before, but that one, I mean, it's like, I love my parents so unconditionally. Like I see their pain. I see their beauty through their pain. And you know what, when you can see that through for your parents, like it's also reflective of how you see yourself and the compassion that you have on yourself. And so, yeah, that was a, that was a big hitter for me. Um, I also, I mean, speaking really vulnerably, like, yes, I, I had an instance one time in, in a psychedelic session in which I like relived the sexual abuse that I had as a kid. I like associated, I was in my little kid body with my adult consciousness. And I could like, I, I didn't know something like this could like happen. I thought this was just stuff you see in movies, but it literally was like, I, it was real as real as this is right now. Mm -hmm. It felt that real. I could smell, I could see, like, I remembered things in my old house from when I was like, you know, four that (laughs) it's like inexplicable. I'm like, man, it is all in the brain. Um, but I, I was able to see the situation for what it was and actually gain compassion also on that situation and find forgiveness in my heart for that person and realize like that there was no story about me. That was just a sad situation that happened. And I was able to move on and heal from that so much from that journey. I like, I got out of it. It's crazy what medicine does to you. Cause I, it was like, I just purged all the tears that I had never cried for like 30 something years. Like they just, it was like, I wasn't even crying. I didn't feel like I was crying. It was just like tears just pouring and pour for like an hour. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah. I mean, I've definitely experienced some really, really deep healing um, and, and relationships for sure with my kids too. And just so many from those like sacred journeys. That is so cool. Yeah. It's so interesting for me on the, on the projected idea of masculinity. So, you know, in the past, it's like, you got to be strong. You don't cry. You don't have any of those things going on. And it's like, now that I'm at this other level of awareness, it's, 
if something that's really painful, I'm like sitting there, dang it, I can't cry. I can't release it because I do want mm-hmm. that physical response to be able to basically purge. Oh, yeah. So then I can actually move forward. And it's just an interesting mindset. There's but- actually a, on that, there's, a, I wish I could remember the name of it. I can't right now, but there's like a, um, what would you call it? Like a modality, a healing modality that people do where they actually like release energy. Like they move and shake to like release stuff out of your body. And I know that might sound really woo woo if you're like, oh, you're no. like okay, whatever, but <laughs> for people listening, but I, I have found that to be incredibly powerful. Um, I did go to this one, uh, like personal development retreat type thing. And I thought I was all healed from my little like narcissist <laughs> dude or whatever. Like, oh yeah, I forgive him. Like I see he's broken and blah, blah, blah. wish the best. But I hadn't like, they were doing this thing where they, a lot of these people, this is the first time they're processing any of their crap, right? These are like newbie newbies. I'm like, my heart is just like so full for them, but they have them like, they're like punching, they're like punching and punching back to their like mad at their dad or their whoever, you know? And I was like watching it. And I was like, I felt like I was like, so healed from all my stuff. But I was like, I've never done that. I have never like, I've never like physically released like the, the anger and the sadness and the pain or whatever. So I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. This is going to be so awkward. It's going to be so embarrassing. And I'm going to have to like get back into that place yeah. like where I allow it. And so like I did though, wow. and it was so radically healing. Like, I, I mean, I let it all out. I was like, I hate you. I'm, like doing all this stuff. I'm like bawling. I'm like, you're such an asshole. You know, I'm like punching. I'm like going nuts. Man, I literally, I felt like my nervous system reset. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Like it was like, I re- was restored to calm. Like it, it was insane. So big fan of physical release yeah. of, of things from the body, whether that's crying or, you know, look at little kids. This is what I thought. I have little kids. You have little kids. You said you have four kids too. Yeah. They're not so little, but yeah. Okay. Well, mine aren't so little anymore either, but sometimes my, sometimes my eight-year-old acts like he's little and he, like, but what do little toddlers do when they're really emo- when emotions have gotten super high? Do they just sit there calm and stoic? No, they freaking throw themselves on the ground and like kick their legs and their arms. They're like hitting the ground. Yeah. Or they like run off and they slam doors and they exert physical energy. They do. So our natural and they cry and they scream and they punch their bed. So our natural human way of dealing with a ton of emotion is to release it physically. Exactly. But we get domesticated out of that. And what do we do? We store it all up in our body. And you've probably maybe read the book, the body keeps a score. And there's yes. a lot of healers who talk about this, but yeah, like we store that up. So there is, I think there's a ton of value in like, especially if you're a guy, I'm like, go freaking punch your bed, like punt, like get mad, like let it out, you know, like you've been so, and women too, like we've been so taught not to do that, but I think it's actually really unhealthy and causing a lot of problems. It's so true. And what's, what's beautiful about the work you're doing is you're incorporating both sides, right? So it's the inner work, but then that you are moving, you are lifting, you are doing all those things that would, would cause someone to actually release True. And I, and yeah, I yeah. felt that myself, like when I go to work out, like I can almost get to the point of tears when I'm pushing really, really hard. Wow. And it's, it's interesting. Cause I'm just sitting there. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay. So I'm actually releasing. So I give myself a second and then get back into the rep, but it's just interesting. Very cool. Yeah. Let it out. 
Yeah. A lot of people have that in yoga too, when they do hip openers, cause they say that you store a lot of emotion in your hips. I've had that happen to me. I was at that ayahuasca retreat. We hadn't had any medicine yet. And I was doing yoga uh-huh. and she had us in this big hip opener stretch. And I started thinking of something. I just started crying and she goes, you may start crying in this stretch. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, but, so I think there's something to that for sure. That's awesome. Oh, that's cool. Well, I mean, we're kind of wrapping things up, but are there any things that you wanted to be able to share that we haven't yet covered at this point? Oh man, I'd say like, just keep leaning into like stuff that scares you a little bit and, and feel it like if it gives you butterflies, but it's that kind of butterflies, it's, it's not like, it's not scary. Like you're being like completely irresponsible. It's like scary. Like, you know, that you're capable of it deep down, but there's a bunch of stories on the surface that you've been living under for a long time. Like, oh man, lean into that stuff so much. Like it's, that's been made my life so good. And honestly, just like being willing to look at my own patterns too. like, look at your patterns. You know what I mean? Like, don't blame. That's been such a huge thing in me is like, Hmm, how am I showing up in this? How am I, and how, where can the work be done and where can I give myself credit? You know? So I'd say, um, just like, looking inward, looking inward is like completely where it's at, you know? And I guess the last thing I'll say, cause it's really important to me is connect to nature. Like everything that I do in health, um, like I do a lot of biohacking modalities with my clients and stuff. And the only reason I like biohacking is because it's a way for us to mimic nature in our modern lives. We are not going to go live outside. It's just not going to happen. Our shelters are too cool. I love this thing. I've got freaking led lights that change colors. when I tell (laughs) Alexa to do it. It's cool. Like we made really good shelters, you know, but because of that, our bodies suffer and our minds suffer a little bit because we're not in our natural environment enough. So get out in nature as much as you can. There's negative ions in the air that actually help with relief stress. There's the vitamin D minerals, like, and, and just tapping in, being in pure meditation, like don't listen to a book, like just be just like you were a little kid and you just walked around with freaking nothing on your mind. Like mm-hmm. just be, that's like, to me, in- incredibly life-changing. That is amazing. Yeah, it's so true. And you know, what's for interesting for me is the fact that like, it doesn't take an hour. It doesn't even take 10 minutes. It can just take one minute. It, you just need to ha- make the decision to do something small today yeah. and build yeah. off of that. And so, yeah, great advice. Um, before we end, I did have one final question for you. And that is, and I do this with, with everyone. Um, if today was the last day, if, if you, if your mortal experience was going to be done today, like what would you, hope that your legacy would be for the world, for your family, for yourself, most importantly, but what is that thing that you would hope to leave behind? I think that, that people like that I've had it, some sort of influence on them and which causes them to believe in themselves and to see themselves and to see their goodness and to know that they're capable. Yeah. That's awesome. Tara, thank you. Um, where can people find you if they want to follow you, if they want to learn more about all the work that you're doing? I pretty much live on Instagram. So I'm there all the time. It's coach Tara Garrison, T-A-R-A. And then um, my website is taragarrison.com and I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and all the other ones too, but Instagram's kind of my jam. So come find me there. That is so cool. Thank you so much, Tara. Thank you. That wraps up today's episode. Hopefully you gained a couple insights from Tara to help you not only understand how to transform your body and fitness, 
but your mind and your emotional intelligence. Family, every review, every subscription helps us not only reach more people, but helps us to be able to carry on this mission of helping us create stronger relationships with ourselves and other people. Make sure to go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Make sure that we are that you are subscribed and that we are a part of your journey as you go forward and just kill it. And make sure to follow Tara on her website, Instagram, wherever you are at. She's at as well. I believe she's giving you that information. Family, thank you so much. Until next time, peace and love.